0: I am Charlotte Jackson and this is Game Changer, the podcast that empowers you to align with your true self, mind, body and spirit, because that is where the magic happens. For those of you who don't know me, I'm a certified holistic coach, Reiki master and EFT practitioner, and I'm a recovered crystal meth addict. And everything I share with you are things that have already helped me, things I've learned or things I am learning along my journey so welcome and thank you so much for being here. It is my only wish that this episode finds the person that it is meant to find and empowers them to change their life. Hello, hello my friends and welcome back to another episode of Game Changer the podcast. It's me, your host Charlotte Jackson and I'm so excited to be back this week. This week I am sharing part two of my story of how I got clean. So part one, if you heard that, was the last episode that I recorded and it was all about how I basically went from someone who had never tried a drug in their entire life to someone who was consumed by crystal meth for the best part of four years. And today I want to talk about the rise from the bottom of that pit back out again to where I am today which is living at home with my parents in the UK. I've been clean for three years although I have some exciting news. I am actually moving out and I'm moving to London in about three weeks time. I'm so fucking excited. This has been such a long time coming and I honestly just I can't explain how miraculous this whole thing is of me moving to London it just sort of came out of nowhere it was something that I really really truly believed was where I needed to go and I could feel this pull towards London in my heart but I just didn't know how I was going to get there and I just surrendered it up and then within two months there was a plan and I've got a place and I'm ready to go and I'm so excited but anyway back to today's episode, which is part two of my story, my journey into addiction and back out. And today we're talking about how I came out of addiction. So if you know me and you've connected with me through social media and things like that before, you'll know that I'm a very spiritual person. I really, really do believe in a higher power. I believe in things existing that we cannot see. I believe in energy. I believe in source. I believe in God. I believe in angels. I believe in the power of the universe and synchronicities. And all of those things, I I believe, helped play a part in me getting clean. So that's what I want to talk about today. So at the end of the last episode that I recorded, I spoke about how I had essentially Ended up in this four year addiction with crystal meth, and I was living in a crack den. Now, at this point in my life, I had technically been homeless for about two years. I bounced around couch surfing, I'd lived in my car, I didn't have a stable base, and I hadn't had a stable base for about two years. And I was living in a crack den with my ex boyfriend. We weren't together, we weren't in any kind of a romantic relationship however I would say that he actively pursued a romantic relationship with me pretty much every single day that I was living in that house which was quite uncomfortable for me because it wasn't something that I wanted so we used to have a lot of arguments and fall out a lot because he wanted something and I didn't and then he'd kick me out and then I'd have nowhere to go and then I'd get go back and it was just this back and forth real stressful, unstable environment. And I I can't remember how long I actually lived in this house for, but at this point, just before I got clean, I believe I'd been there for the best part of eight months, I'm going to say. So what happened was just before I moved into this crack den, I had a very good friend of mine, MJ, who really sadly passed away. And MJ was someone who was not a part of this scene that I was a part of and he was such a strong believer in supporting people to be the best that they could be and he constantly used to say to me you know come on man like you're so much better than this what are you doing but also I believe in you I know you can change your life like if you want to I I know you can I support you I love you and he used to really accept me for the person that I was even when I was in the middle of addiction, he truly used to give me this incredible gift where he would actually just listen to me. And he wouldn't tell me what to do. And he wouldn't tell me what was best. And he wouldn't say all of these things. He would genuinely just sit with me and be like, what's going on, man? What do you need? Like, how can I help you? Because he would constantly remind me of how amazing I was and the potential that I had to be this fucking amazing human being who I wasn't in that moment being. But he never made me feel any shame. He never made me feel less than. He always just listened and held space for me and he was just such an invaluable person in my life and when he died it was so unexpected. And I was at a point in my life where I was really, really self-sabotaging. And I remember just before he died, I sent him a message and I was like, MJ, I have fucked up so badly. I don't know how to get out of the situation that I'm in. I'm living with a guy who's extremely abusive towards me. He terrifies the absolute fuck out of me. Like I genuinely fear for my life on almost every other day. I am terrified. I feel like this person is going to lose it and kill me. And I'm scared. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. I feel like I know that I deserve better, but I just cannot see a way out. I said, all I need, all I need is a safe space to live and to not have to worry about money for like two months. And if I had that, I know that I would be better and I know I could get clean, but I just can't find it. And I just keep bouncing around and it's so stressful and I don't know what to do and da, 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 da. And I remember he said to me, look, Charlotte, He said, let's work out how we can make this happen. Come over, we'll put our heads together, we'll work on something together and we'll sort it out, we'll work out what we can do to make this happen for you. But then he died really shortly after this and it was devastating because it was so surprising as well. It was very unexpected. You know, he was in his 30s, he was so full of life and then he was just gone. And... After this happened in fact the day I found out that he died something really crazy happened with this man that I was living with who was really abusive the one I was terrified that was going to kill me. He used to get into these really crazy drunken rages but he would also be high and it was just yeah very very scary situation and the day I found out that MJ died This man had completely lost it and I genuinely thought he was going to kill me. He was chasing me around the house and I was terrified and he was screaming at me. And I did the unspeakable thing that you do in the drug world, which is call the police, right? And I was having a panic attack in the bathroom as I was trying to call the police and say, I think this person is actually going to fucking kill me. Like I don't know what to do. And I managed to get out of the house and I ran out of the house and I ran down the street and I was in my pajamas with my phone and I went to this park and I was just crying my eyes out and I I was in this moment just praying to something what the fuck like I do not know what the fuck to do I I, I'm so scared I don't know what's going on I don't know if I should go back to the house I don't know what's happening etc and at this moment my phone rang and I was crying I was in hysterics I just had a panic attack couldn't breathe and it was a friend of MJ's on the end of the phone and she said I guess you've heard and I said heard what and she said Charlotte I'm so sorry to tell you but MJ's dead and I just could not believe it because what was happening in this moment was just so polar opposite to that you know I was in this moment where I was terrified I thought I was going to die I ran out the house as quick as I could and then I get a phone call saying MJ's dead and it kind of gave me this real reality check where I just everything shifted and I just came slamming that down to earth and I just thought what the fuck am I doing number one and number two I'm not scared of this motherfucker that's chasing me around the house and doing whatever the hell he's doing like I'm not scared of him I'm going back I'm getting my shit and I'm going and I suddenly was reminded in this moment of a friend of mine, who had always said to me, "If you ever need somewhere to stay, you honestly can come and stay at my house." And he happened to live really close to the place that I was living in, so I called him and I, I said, "Is is the office still there? Can I move in?" And he said, "Yeah." And I said, "I really need your help. I can't drive at the moment. Don't have my license. Don't have my car." But I need to get out of this house, all my stuff's here, my cat's here, everything's here, I'm living with this guy, it's too full on, I need to get out. And he said, that's fine. So I went back to the house and I told that guy, the one that was chasing me around the house that I thought it was going to, I said, look, MJ's dead, I've had enough of this shit, I'm moving out and that's it, it's, this is done. And I grabbed my things and my friend came and picked me up and took me back to his house. Now this wasn't a permanent solution, so I wasn't yet safe, but I was obviously much safer. And it was around this time that a lot of weird things started happening. I started to notice a lot of synchronicities, but I really, really ignored them because I felt like I was going crazy. I thought I was being paranoid. I thought every time I experienced a coincidence, quote unquote, that I was going crazy. Now I know that when you experience synchronicities, especially when you experience a lot of synchronicities, it's actually a sign that you're on the right path. And I just kept pushing them away. So MJ has has passed away. He hasn't quite had his funeral yet. And I'm living with a friend. I'm sort of finding my way. Knowing I have to move out at some point. I'm still taking drugs. The guy that I'm living with. He doesn't do drugs. And so we're, we're sort of. I'm in this weird limbo. Where I'm kind of. I'm sort of sorting my life out. But I'm kind of not ready. But I'm sort of doing it. But I'm not quite there. And then one thing happened after another and MJ had his funeral which was just so sad and I remember one of the last conversations I'd had with him on the phone was actually you know us talking about meeting up and I was so unreliable because I was just always so fucked like I you know I just drug addicts are notoriously unreliable and so I remember him saying you know when can you come over when can you see me and I just said to him do you know what I'll come and see you the next time it rains." And I just, you know, that's just what we agreed. I'll see you the next time it rains. Anyway, I remember driving to his funeral. And as we drove, this song came on my Spotify playlist, which was completely random. It was on shuffle. I hadn't put it on there. It was just, you know, when Spotify just plays a song. And it was a song that just so so reminds me of MJ because he was into all this hip-hop music that I just genuinely was not into and it was just so random that it started playing I mean I say random it wasn't random at all it started playing as I was driving to the funeral and then at that exact moment it started pouring with rain and I then I remembered that we had said I'll see you the next time it rains and I thought nah that's just a coincidence Charlotte stop being a crazy drug addict so I went to the funeral and you know, obviously it was really sad, but it was also a celebration of his life as well. And I just remember thinking when I saw him, he was just lying there. And I, I I, just remember thinking, I'm so sorry that you never got to see me as the person you knew I could be. And it makes me quite emotional even now, like thinking of that, because... I know that he can see me now and that he's with me now but I just remember feeling like fuck like I really let this guy down you know he supported me so much and he was so encouraging and yet he's gone and a piece of shit like me is still here (laughs) that's what I remember thinking anyway I ended up after this time kind of bouncing around from house to house i was still taking drugs i didn't really know what i was doing i was kind of ignoring the issues to be honest i just didn't really i didn't really know how to deal with the grief and i didn't really know how to deal with my life and i felt like the one person in the world who really supported me and loved me and cared about me in this time because he was the only person who would listen to me the only person Everyone else was like, we know best. We know what's best for you because you're a drug addict and you're fucked and you don't know and you're on drugs and you don't have a rational mind and you don't know this and you don't know that. But he was the only person who was like, no, fuck that, Charlotte. What like, what do you need? How can I help you? How are you feeling? Like, tell me what's going on. I want to know. I'm Not telling you what to do. He was the only person I had in my life who was that person who actually gave me his time and his energy and really tried to help me by listening to me and treating me like a human being, not like a drug addict. So it really was devastating for me because I felt like I no longer had a safe person in my life that I could turn to. And the funny thing is, is that he was there. You know, when people die, they don't leave us. They're still there. They're around us. They're in the energy around us. They're in the plants and the trees and the people. They're everywhere. They're in music. They connect with us. They still do. It's kind of the way I see it as it's like learning another language. They're still there, but you just can't speak to them in the flesh. You can't hear them the way that you normally would. But if you really listen and you really tune into your heart, you can hear what they're trying to say to you and you can You can hear their messages. And if you're open to them, the messages will come. And I kept getting messages from MJ through music, through other people, through synchronicities. And I kept ignoring them because I thought I was losing my mind. I'm thinking there is no fucking way that my dead friend is reaching out to me. And I don't want to tell anyone because everyone will think I'm crazy because I'm on drugs. So I just kept ignoring it for months and months and months. Christmas came and went. I'd moved into this crackdown with my ex-partner. I said to him, you know, I really need somewhere to stay. And genuinely, this is a last resort. But at least I know that I can stay here. However, it was very unstable because like I said at the beginning of this episode, he kind of wanted something romantic from me. And even though I said to him before I moved in that I didn't want anything from him and that I, I was not going there with him, he still would push it. And he actually, I remember said to me at one point that he had been, spe- he was speaking with a therapist that he had and he was telling her, I'm so pissed off with Charlotte. She's moved in and she's doing this and she's doing that. And yet she won't be with me. And the therapist said to him, well, did she ever say that she would before she moved in? And he said, no, she actually said she wouldn't. And then the therapist said, well, you can't be angry with her then because she told you from the start that this wasn't going to happen. But for some reason, you still think it is. Anyway, that was just a completely random side note. But... It was just a difficult situation because this person was constantly crossing my boundaries, constantly trying to be with me. I didn't want to be with him, but we were sharing a room, we were sharing a bed. And it was just difficult because we obviously had a history and we were close as well. But I would always push him away because I just didn't want that. And then he would get angry and he would get aggressive, abusive, sometimes physical. Just it was just a very toxic and unhealthy dynamic to be stuck in and it wasn't really an environment where I could be you know in a mindset of right I'm going to sort my life out and anytime I kind of felt like I was going to kind of sort things out and I was like yeah I feel better and I feel like I could do this and I could do that and I'm going to stop taking the drugs and I would go through periods where I'd stop taking drugs and I would say to him I'm going to get clean like I don't want to do this anymore and I just remember he would just come and sit next to me and smoke And it passed the pipe around in front of me. And he just, you know, was in a very different stage of addiction than me. And then we would fight and then we would argue. And then I'd get sucked back in and then I'd be so sad and upset and then back on the drugs. And it just went round and round in this fucking cycle for about six or seven months. It was basically torture. That's the only way I can explain it. It was psychological torture and I just didn't know what to do. Anyway, eventually we went into lockdown. And bear in mind now, I mean... At this point, I think MJ had been dead for maybe seven or eight months. I can't remember the exact timeline, but he'd been gone for quite a while. And this entire time I had been experiencing messages from him that I had been ignoring. Anyway, we went into lockdown and that's when reality really fucking hit me because I no longer could leave this house. I could. I no longer had the distractions. I no longer had other people. The only thing I had was a crack den full of drug addicts, people that were shooting up in the kitchen, you know, passed out on the sofa, and my ex, who was so abusive, even though he didn't mean to be, but he just, it was just all very toxic, and I was locked into this house. And this pushed me over the edge. Like, I do not want to be locked in a fucking house when this is the house that I'm locked in. I don't want to be here. I I don't want to be here, but I don't have anywhere to go. So one day I went for a walk into the city and I remember there was just nothing there. It was completely deserted. I did not even see one homeless person on the street. And I remember thinking, this is so fucking weird to see this place so shut down. There's signs everywhere, stay home, stay home. You know, we had a curfew. We weren't allowed out after certain times, et cetera. It was very intense in Melbourne And I'm thinking, fuck, like, I don't want to stay home. My home isn't safe, to be honest. It's actually quite a scary place to be, which I could just about handle when I had the freedom to come and go as I wanted. But now that I'm being told I have to be in this house 24-7, I'm fucked. So I went for a walk. I'm walking through the city. There's no one there. No one. Felt like an actual ghost town, excuse the pun. And I passed the church that MJ had his funeral at. And I just got down on my knees in front of that church and I'm just like, MJ, I am so stuck. I don't know what to do, but I really, really want to change my life. My life is looking at me like it's slapping me in the face right now. I see it for what it is. I don't want it anymore, but I don't know what to do. I do not know how to get out of this situation. I don't have any money. I don't have anything. I just don't know what to do. I don't know how to get out. I don't know where to go. I can't go anywhere because I'm not even allowed to go anywhere because everywhere's fucking locked down. Can't even get in my car. I'm just, I'm not even allowed out, you know? So I'm crying and on my knees and just, I guess, praying and just reaching out to MJ and to Source, God, the universe, you know? And it's so funny, I find that in these moments of desperation, so many human beings find themselves on their knees And just begging for something greater than them to help. And sometimes, you know, we have to get to rock bottom to find this power that exists within us and all around us and within every living human being. And it's just fucking magical. But sometimes we have to be brought down to our knees to actually find it. And so... I left the church and I walked back to the Crackden. And on the way back, I decided to stop in to a petrol station. Well, actually a 7 Eleven convenience store. And I walk in, and there's a guy there, and he's got his hood up. And he looks up at me. He's about a metre and a half away from me. And it's MJ standing right in front of me, looking me dead in the eye. I don't know if this was a vision. I don't know if this was a hallucination. I don't know if it was... I don't know what it was. But I know that in that moment, that was MJ. And he looked me dead in the eye. And his face was just like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, come on, man. Let's go. And I ran out of the petrol station, I'm like, fuck this, like, I'm losing it. I'm leaving. So I leave, run out, and I put my headphones in. I always have headphones in. And I'm walking back to the house and the song Fast Car by Tracy Chapman starts playing. And that song again, really reminds me of MJ. He used to play it all the time. And there's a line in that song that was so apt for the situation and it really spoke to me but it freaked me out at the same time and it says something like i've managed to save a little bit of money working in a convenience store and all we have to do is cross the line into the city where we can both get jobs and finally know what it means to be living it's something like that and it's basically say this song is saying i've got a fast car i've got a tick i've got a way i've got a way to get us out of here that's the message of the song. That's how I hear it anyway. So I'm walking along and I'm thinking, yeah, this is fucking weird. Anyway, I turned it off. I'm like, don't want that shit. Get back home. Go on my phone. I'm scrolling on an Instagram. And then I'm like, you know, trying to distract myself from the fact I have just seen a vision of my dead friend in a bloody petrol station. So I'm scrolling on YouTube. And I forgot to mention before that the only difference in the face of this person who was standing in front of me and MJ's face is that MJ has a freckle on the end of his nose, but this person did not. That was the only difference. That's the only difference, right? (laughs) So I'm scrolling on YouTube and I'm just minding my own business and this video pops up and it's the Olsen twins being interviewed by Oprah Winfrey. And one of them says, in this exact snippet that I'm watching, yeah, I used to have a freckle here, but now it's disappeared and I just thought, nah, fuck, this is, I can't, it's too much, throw the phone away, don't want to look at it. My ex walks into the room and is playing music and he pressed next on the song and the next song that plays is the song that was played at MJ's funeral. And again, I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, I'm trying so hard not to lose it, but it is, I can't help but believe that this is my friend reaching out to me after I am on my knees crying at the church where he had his funeral and then I see him in front of me and then all these signs the songs everything and I do find that from my experience of interacting with MJ and also from speaking to other people I know who have had similar experiences with people that they know that have passed away and even people that have known MJ that He really seems to communicate through song. I don't know what it is. I don't know why, but he really does. It's like sometimes I'll be thinking of him and then bam, straight away this song pops up and I'm like, fuck, it's MJ. Anyway, so the song from his funeral starts playing and I'm just thinking, what the fuck? Because my ex was not friends with MJ. He didn't know him. He didn't go to the funeral. He didn't know anything about him. Anyway, he starts playing this song. It's Whitney Houston, I Have Nothing. And again, this song in that moment really fucking spoke to me. And what I really took from it in that moment was... Like I'm not leaving you here. I have nothing if I don't have you. And we're fucking going. We're getting out of here. And. I actually remember something that MJ said to me. Before he died. Way before he died when we were friends. And he said something to me like. It was so dramatic and over the top. That it had always stuck in my head. And he said. Something like. I would, I would cross through the gates of hell for you. And I don't even know why. And. It was like that's what he was doing. He was coming to get me from the fucking hell that I was in. And I was so freaked out at this point. I just thought, Do you know what? I'm, I can't deal with this. I'm going to bed. I'm going to sleep. I'm just, I need a good night's sleep. That's what I need. I'm probably sleep deprived. I'm just imagining that. That's it. I'm done. So I go to bed and I wake up in the morning. And this is what happens a lot, I find, with the universe and God sometimes you will wake up and you will have an idea and you will think where the fuck did that come from it'll be an idea that you could have thought how you could have thought of a million times before a million times like reaching out to a particular friend or contacting someone about x y and z it could be something that you could have done a million times at any point in your journey and it would have helped at any point in your journey but for some reason it's now that it pops into your head and that reason is universal timing and alignment and when you get these thoughts that pop in you have to go with them so i get this thought that pops in go to a homeless shelter now, bear in mind, I've been homeless at this point, essentially for two years, right? I could have gone to a homeless shelter at any point in the last two years. But for some reason, this is the moment I think to do it. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going to do it. So off I go the next day and I go to this homeless shelter and I say, I'm a drug addict. I'm living in a crack den," It's quite scary, actually. My ex-partner is very hard to live with. And I don't feel safe. And I don't want to be there. But I don't know where to go. And that's why I'm coming here. And they said to me, that's fine, Charlotte. You know, this is exactly what we're here for and we want to help you. And they said, but unfortunately, because of COVID, we can't actually put you into a homeless shelter right now. We have to put you in a four-star hotel. A four-star hotel, guys. We have to put you in a, I'm just going to repeat that. We have to put you in a four-star hotel. Sorry, what? <laughs> Sorry. Okay, so I'm living in a crackdown. And now I'm moving to a four star hotel. This is wild. So I just think, this is too easy, is actually what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, this is, this can't be real. This is too easy. But again, I actually find that one of the lies that we have been fed is that things are hard to come by and that anything worth having is hard work and difficult and that we have to hustle and grind. And that we're, you know, it's one in a million chance that things can happen, etc. My actual experience of life and my belief is that when we are doing things that are in alignment, doors open and it's easy. And all you have to do is walk through them. It's not about the hustle, the grind, the this, the that. Yes, of course, you have to put in the effort, you have to take action, and yes, of course, work hard, but when you are ready doors will open and i was fucking ready so off i go to my four star hotel what the fuck and i'm thinking this is way too good to be true now at this point i am not clean but i'm i've been trying on and off to be clean in a house full of drug addicts quite difficult i'm going to be honest <laughs> and i move into this four star hotel and there's nothing going on because the whole city is locked down so i carry on living in this hotel and I was there I think in total about three weeks and so I wasn't using drugs in those three weeks and I was having crazy dreams and just there was a lot of shit happening and I still felt quite trapped in this situation even though I was safe but it wasn't me that was looking after myself you know it was I was living in this um, place where there was a register to go in and out, and it was safe, but my nervous system wasn't used to it. I was used to this up and down, craziness, erratic, da la. la, la. And I think at some point, whilst I'm living in this hotel, we actually came out of lockdown. And so I was able to kind of travel around a bit more and, and start doing things. And one of the things that I felt really drawn to do was go to a crystal shop in the city. Because I felt as though because I, I had such dark thoughts at this time, I actually felt like it was something outside of me that was causing them. And I felt like I was under attack spiritually in some way. I felt like there was something that I couldn't see that was attacking me. Whether this is true or not, I don't know. That's just what I was thinking at the time. Now I kind of see it as it was more my own dark thoughts that were coming in. And I was just very aware of them. And I was very scared because I didn't have any sort of positivity or happiness going on my aura was just so depleted and who knows what was getting in or whatever I'm not 100% sure what it was at this point but that's how I felt in this moment I felt very scared and I felt like there was a lot of darkness around me and then all the crazy coincidences with MJ were still happening and I was scared So I went to this crystal shop and I went in and I was kind of losing my mind as well. well. When I went in there, I was rambling on, oh my God, I don't know what's happening. I just feel like I'm under attack. I feel like someone's cursed me. And they were saying, look, you know, that's pretty rare. I'm like, I need a spell book. I need this. I didn't know what I was grasping at. I had no spiritual beliefs really at this point, but I was sort of open to spirituality. And they said to me, look, I'm sure that you haven't been cursed. It's very unlikely And the lady in the shop said, why don't you go upstairs? She said, we've got a tarot card reader up there and she might be able to help. And she might, you know, make you feel a bit better, give you some answers that you're looking for. So I said, yeah, that's fine. You know, I'm thinking, what do I even have to lose? So up I go and I sit down with this woman and I have not said anything to her about anything. Right. She doesn't know anything. She doesn't even know what I said to the woman downstairs. She literally knows nothing. She just knows that I'm coming up for a reading. So up I go and she says to me straight away that batting an eyelid you had a friend who passed away recently he's here right now and I just looked at her like you're fucking kidding me because previously I had thought this but I didn't trust it I thought "Nah, I'm going crazy I'm on drugs and I can't tell anyone because they'll think I'm crazy too because I'm on drugs so I look at her and I'm like yeah (laughs) She goes, he's here right now. He wants me to give you a message. He wants me to tell you that you do not need to be scared anymore. And all you need to do is keep taking the next step. And he's got you. He's on the other side. He's looking out for you. And he's helping you. And all you need to do is keep taking the next step. You don't need to be afraid. He's right there with you. And that's it. That's all you have to do. And I thought, fuck, because I felt so alone. But this was the confirmation that I needed. I'm not alone. MJ's here and he's not just here. He's fucking helping me. So I think, thank God. And I said, that is just amazing. And thank you so much. I'm so happy. I wasn't even planning on coming up here, but the lady downstairs told me to come up here. And she said, oh, yeah, was that Rachel or was that Akira? And Akira just happens to be the name of MJ's daughter. I mean, the synchronicities were just so wild that even people who do not believe in this stuff, when I tell them this story, they cannot explain it to me. It goes past the point of coincidence, right? When things like this are happening. So then I go back to the hotel, feeling much better. And another really weird thing happened actually, which to this day, I still don't know how it happened. But I had a notification pop up on my Instagram And I, I, this has never happened since. It's never happened before. I don't know how it happens. I don't even use this feature on Instagram. But it popped up and it said, you have a new close friend. And I clicked on it and it had added MJ to my close friends on Instagram. I do not use close friends. I don't know how to add people to it. And I certainly have never had a notification that said, you have a new close friend and added him to it. Like, anyway. This is the craziness that I was dealing with whilst I was trying to get clean. (laughs) So I'm back in the hotel. I've got MJ on my fucking close friends list. and I'm thinking I am losing my shit. But the only reassurance that I have at this point is this woman who did the tarot cards. She told me. She told me. And she's not crazy. And she's not on drugs. So that was my confirmation that everything I'd been experiencing... It wasn't just me. I wasn't being crazy. He genuinely was reaching out and trying to communicate with me for nine fucking months. And I ignored him. I just kept going, no, 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 I don't want to hear it. And then finally he got through to me because he literally appeared in front of my fucking face. So I couldn't actually get away from him anymore. But so I'm in the hotel room and I'm thinking, okay, cool. MJ's got me. This is amazing. The next day, I get a phone call. My support worker. Hey, Charlotte, not sure if you're aware, but because of COVID, the government's actually letting people get money out of their pension early. So you can actually take out $10,000 of your pension money if you would like to. What the fuck? So I take out $10,000. I go and view an apartment. I get myself an apartment. I get all my belongings out of storage that have been in storage for the past two years that I've been homeless. And some of this stuff has been following me around for 10 years. And I move into this apartment. I get my cat back from my ex. And then we go back into lockdown again. I'm like, fuck. Because, you know, I just wanted to get out so bad. I wanted to just start my life again. I just wanted to carry on and just live. But I was, again, locked locked into an apartment. But this time, I'm locked into an apartment with all of my things. And no one else can come in unless I let them in. And it's just me. And I have to be honest, it was actually difficult being on my own. I felt like I was going crazy because I felt so connected to spirit and MJ and I was on my own and it was just a lot to deal with because the only person that I could talk to was myself and him and God. And I just, I, it it was a lot, but the healing that happened in this apartment was incredible. And it's only recently that I realized that what I ended up with just before I got clean was exactly what I told MJ I needed before he died. (laughs) And that just fills me with so much fucking gratitude that he genuinely loved and supported me so much when he was alive as best he could. Considering the person that I was. And then he gave me the one thing that I said that I needed to get clean. And I just think that's so fucking beautiful that our loved ones can support us from the other side. And if you're listening to this and you've ever had those kind of experiences, I hope that you listen to this and you think, yeah, I'm not crazy my loved one, whoever they may be, they still fucking really care about me. They love me. They're there. They can support me. And they'll open doors for me. Like, all I have to do is ask. All I had to do was get on my knees and say, MJ, God, together, can you please fucking help me? Like, I don't know what to do. And then, bam, everything changed so quickly. And the timing was impeccable because... If I had gone to the homeless shelter before lockdown, I would have been put in a shelter. I wouldn't have been put in a four-star hotel. And and I wouldn't have been able to get $10,000 out. And I wouldn't have been able to get my own apartment. It would have been a very different journey. And so this is also a reminder for you as well, if you're listening, that trust in the timing of your life. And that's something that I just feel so strongly right now. You know, like I'm in this stage of my life right now where... I'm about to move out of my parents' house. I've been here for three years. I've wanted to move out so many times and I've wanted to move out for so long. But I also know that timing is everything and you're always in the right place. You're always where you're meant to be. So if you're waiting on something to happen, just keep waiting because there is a reason that you're waiting because what you're waiting for everything that you are trying to manifest and bring into your life, all the things that you want to happen, they're not happening yet because it's not the right time. But when they do happen, it'll happen 10 times better than you could have imagined. So you're, you know, you're asking for something, you're like asking for this thing and it's like, you know, on a scale of like one to 10, 10 being the best, one being, yeah, like, you know, that's the thing existing. You're maybe asking for like a six or seven, maybe an eight. But if you wait when it happens, it'll be a 10, 11, 12, 20, 100 on the scale, right? And that's what happened to me when I got clean. I sort of tried here and there. It didn't really happen, didn't really happen. But when it fucking happened, my God, that was the right time. And I'm so grateful that it happened when it did and that it didn't happen before because the journey that I would have had before would have probably taken longer and been harder. This journey now was so easy. I was just in my own apartment. In terms of actually getting clean, I had been working on my mindset and my self-esteem on and off consistently for about six months or so. And I would say that MJ played a massive part in this as well. You know, he was a very, very encouraging person. He used to listen to all this fucking shit on, in- <laughs> on Instagram, on YouTube. He loved that shit. He loved the self-development stuff. He gave me a Tony Robbins book. Like he just loved all that shit. Right. And I didn't really know much about it, but I, I sometimes used to go on YouTube and I would like listen to these, you know, army men being like, come on, like you've got it. Like, you know, those kind of things. Um, But I didn't know much about self-development, to be honest. But MJ used to bang on about it all the time. And it wasn't until after he died that I sort of started to think about it. And then I started to realize as well that what I believe about myself creates my own reality. Which was a massive eye-opener. If I believe I'm a piece of shit, then I'm going to get treated like a piece of shit by people. So I was starting to realize this and I could see this. I could see that. The situation that I was in at the crack den I was in that situation because that was what I felt like I deserved I felt like a piece of shit I was living like a piece of shit and so I was trying to imagine that I deserved better and I kind of knew that I did but it's very hard when you're in that environment to actually stick with that so it was kind of like these little blips where I would be like i deserve better and things are good and i can do it and i can and then boom back slam back down to reality pull back down into the fucking abyss of the drugs and then it was just like this up down up down up down when i finally broke through and got out into that hotel then i had the space and the peace to be like okay yeah what i think matters okay let's focus let's focus on loving myself, what can I do? And I started to get really into this stuff. I don't even really know where I was getting it from because I don't remember watching things on YouTube or watching things on Instagram. I just remember it came almost from like this innate place within me that knew. It was like I suddenly knew. So I moved into this apartment and I started meditating as well, again, you know, I suppose I'd heard of meditation before, but I didn't really know much about it. i started meditating. But I was very, very scared. That was the one thing that I really remember. I was very scared. And I was having very dark, dark thoughts. And around this time as well, I remember I suddenly had this thought that was, hold on a second. When I'm scared and when I'm excited, it feels quite similar in my body. So maybe I could just lie to myself. And when I feel scared, I'll just say, no, I'm not scared. I'm excited. So I started doing that. And that kind of, that was the turning point, really. Every time I was scared, I'd say, I'm not scared. I'm excited. And I have only learned in the last couple of years that there is actually a neurological, I guess that's the right word, reason that this actually works. So the symptoms, in inverted commas, of fear and excitement in your body are quite similar You sort of get like a racing heart, excited. but the only difference in how our body actually interprets it and the only difference in whether or not we release cortisol is by what is going on in the mind. So if we then interpret something as a scary, then we will release cortisol. If we interpret it as exciting, we don't get that stress response. So even though I didn't know this, I did had no scientific backing behind this, I genuinely did this just through an innate knowing. And this is also a reminder to you as well, is that you actually have the answers to everything that you need inside of you. I can bang on about all the things and I can say this and say that and this is what happened for me and this is what helped and blah blah blah, but you have the answers, especially if you're struggling with addiction. You know, man. You know what you need to do. Don't listen to what anyone else is saying what you need to do. Just Listen to yourself. Put your hand on your heart. Take a deep breath. And get fucking honest with yourself. What is it that you need to sort your life out? Do you actually want to sort your life out? Do you actually want to get clean? Because if you don't want to get clean, then by, by all means, carry on doing what you're doing. If you do want to get clean, sit down with yourself and ask yourself what you really need. Because I knew what I needed. I needed space and safety. I just needed my basic needs of shelter. <laughs> and money which you know obviously provides food and shelter as well I just needed those things met and once I had that I was good to go so I'm sitting in this apartment and I've slowly been I guess working on my mindset a little bit and I actually one of the things that I did that was huge for me was that I wrote I love you on all of my mirrors because I was so aware that I really didn't love myself I was so mean to myself. I was so unkind. You know, I would do things like stub my toe or drop something on the floor and I would call myself a fucking idiot, which is just so nasty. If you were in a relationship with someone who spoke to you the way that the voice in your head speaks to you, for most people that would be classed as abusive. Yet that voice is the voice that you hear every single fucking day, every day. You have this voice in your head that's on repeat that is saying all this shit to you. Half the time we don't even realize that it's there. I didn't realize how I was talking to myself until I got clean. And then it became so loud and I thought, that is not right. (laughs) And that's when I started to really focus on changing it. So my actual moment of getting clean was just sitting in this apartment and I just suddenly had this realization of wow, I am absolutely revolting. There was no shame. I wasn't hating on myself. I was just looking at myself and thinking, I'm revolting, what am I doing? I haven't showered in a few days haven't even unpacked all my stuff, even though I've got this amazing apartment to live in, haven't sorted anything out, everything's covered in dust, everything's gross, I'm just sitting here smoking drugs, like, what the fuck am I actually doing? This is ridiculous, I'm revolting, and I'm gonna change. And I just picked up everything, the drugs, the pipe, all of it, threw it in the bin, and I never went back. And I even did spend a bit of time with people after that who were on drugs, a couple of friends in a comers who sort of came over and said hey and were hanging out, and they were even taking drugs around me, and I still was done. I said, I'm at no, I'm done. I don't want it. I said goodbye to so many people who had been a part of that story to kind of, I guess, almost end the chapter of that part of my life. And I just didn't want it anymore. I was done. I was ready to say goodbye. It was time, and I had the support of. My dead friend on the other side holding my hand the entire time. And you know something that's so beautiful about that kind of a relationship is that they are always there. It's not like, oh, I've got to pick up the phone and he might be busy. He's always there all the time. He's with me right now recording this podcast, like probably laughing at me. It's just amazing when you can feel this support from something or someone that you can't see. And that is what it's like to have a connection with God as well. And, you know, it's all kind of intermingled. I mean, yes, of course, I was connecting with MJ and he, him, him and I, because of our friendship, I had such a strong connection to him that then he was able to connect with me. But through that connection, I built a connection with Source. I built a connection with God as well. And I just so wholeheartedly believe in the power of the universe and the beautiful synchronicities and the way that everything links up and connects and if you just trust the flow of your life and you're ready for change doors will open and that's what happened to me and it was just fucking amazing when I look back at it I think what a miraculous experience honestly because so many people come to me they're like how did you do it how did you get clean we needed you know a step-by-step guide I want to know how you did it And there are so many things that I can say that happened for me. But what it really, really came down to was being sick of my own shit, being incredibly honest with myself, and being 100,000, million percent ready to change. Those really were the main key things. And when you have those... You don't need to know how you're going to do it. You don't need a step-by-step. You just fucking say, I'm fucking ready. And just that declaration will open doors. You'll get thoughts that drop in, like go to a homeless shelter, reach out to that friend, do this, do that. and, And the doors just open. And that's what happens with everything. That is also the exact same way that I've ended up Moving to London. And I find the parallels between me moving to London and the time when I got clean quite amusing because it's very similar in a weird way. And I've also noticed in my own journey that I think of life as this kind of spiral. So rather than a circle, it's like a spiral that goes up and up. And sometimes as a spiral goes round, it's a you're above you know the same situation that happened before and i and that's kind of what's happened here trust me it's a completely different dynamic but i was living in a house and i wanted to move out <laughs> and i was ready to move out and i was ready for the next chapter of my life and then boom 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 all these doors opened and the same things happened with london it's fucking crazy and I just find life so magical, so beautiful. I've never been happier. And yes, of course, I have my moments where I'm not happy. Everyone does. We're human. This is something that I need to also record an episode on because it took me a long time to get comfortable with these kind of emotions that weren't just pure happiness all the time. But Life is just an absolute gift. Life is exciting. It is fun. It is meant to be lived. It is meant to be joyous as well. And I think when we're going through things that we need to heal, you know, you might have abandonment wounds, triggers, addictions, abuse, all these things. It's so fucking heavy. There's so much heaviness. And I think one thing that really did help me was that I actually kept it kind of light. I've always been quite playful. I've always had quite a lot of fun, even in the darkness, I had quite a lot of fun and never took it too seriously. I could kind of laugh at the situation, which to some people would sound crazy. To some people, they would think that that was like not taking it seriously. But if you can laugh at yourself when you are experiencing the darkness and the depths of despair and shit, if you can just sort of remove yourself a bit and kind of laugh and find a bit of humor in the situation it actually helps so much and it's actually incredibly healing when you can turn around and kind of laugh at some of the things that have happened and I think that that is what got me through and then that I just had this undeniable faith and belief that I was gonna be okay and that That there was someone, MJ, and God, helping me from the other side. Because that support is available to everyone. You don't have to have a friend who passed away to be able to experience the support of the universe. Obviously, because I have a connection to MJ, I feel that so strongly because there was love there building a connection to source and God if you've never had one before it's harder because it's not a person that you're thinking about connecting with but it's still there that connection is available to everyone and it's so beautiful and it's so magical and and you know the way that I got clean was that I had this spiritual awakening through the death of my friend which was so tragic and then I just think of how life is just cycles and deaths and rebirths. And I I was genuinely reborn through his support. And I truly believe to this day that I would not be clean if I'd never met MJ. Because love is something that never dies and it crosses time and space and distance. You can feel it if someone's on the other side of the world from you and they love you, it's there. And just because someone has passed away, their love is still there too. And it was that love that helped me connect to God and it was that love that opened all the doors for me. So... I didn't really know what I was going to say on this episode. I thought it would actually be much more kind of practical, and this is what happened. And then I did this, and da da da. And it's actually ended up just being this full on, just word vomit of my spiritual awakening and my connection with Source and MJ. And I just really hope that this episode touches someone's heart and helps you believe that anything is possible. Because I can tell you now that when I was living in that crack den, when I was crying on my knees in front of that church, I did not believe that three months later I'd be on a plane home and I'd be clean from crystal meth. I didn't believe it. And it fucking happened. And it was just a miracle. But I was ready. And when you're ready, doors open. So, as always, if you loved this episode, then Please share it with anyone that you think might benefit from hearing it. Share it on social media. Tag me at I am Charlotte Jackson on Instagram. I'd love to connect with you. I always love connecting with people when they listen to the podcast episodes. And hopefully you'll be back for part three. Part three is going to be the last episode of this season. So tune in for another episode of Game Changer next week. But for now, goodbye. And thank you so much for listening.